As we continue in our study of the book of John, we come to an important hinge in the book. Uh, chapter As chapter 12 begins, uh, really from chapter 12 almost to the end of the book of John, it all revolves around the last week of the life of Jesus. And in fact, from chapters 13 through 17 is all one night in the life of Jesus. And so John is slowing down the story for us so that we can see what is so important about what Jesus is doing at the end of his life. And so we're going to read John 12, 1 through 11. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. The first thing I just want to point out is what it says in verse 1. It says, six days before the Passover. So Jesus was crucified on Passover. In God's providence, God wanted for his son to be killed on Passover so that people would see the significance of his son's death. The Passover was the event when God had brought the Israelites out of Egypt And he did that by rescuing them, and he had um, sent his death angel into the land to kill all the firstborn sons. But because the Jews put the blood of a lamb over the door, the death angel passed over their homes, and their firstborn sons were not killed. All throughout Israel's history, they remembered it regularly. Every year, annually, they celebrated this Passover. And now in God's providence... Jesus, the greater Passover lamb, was killed on the very day of Passover. And so as we approach the end of the book of John, we're seeing that John is showing us the significance of these details. He's showing us the significance that Jesus didn't just die to be an example. Jesus died to be a substitute. And that's what makes this passage so intriguing on the one hand, you couldn't see a more uh, affectionate action of worship. And yet at the same time, you also see the polar opposite of people who, when faced with the reality of who Jesus was and what he had come to do, that they hated him. They hated him because they knew that he was gaining followers. People were believing in him. 
and that was a threat to their selfishness. And so what we really see in this passage is, first, we just see the extravagant worship of Mary. Uh, Really, this is hard to imagine. What we see in verse 5, when Judas talks about how much money this ointment could have been sold for, he says it could have been sold for 300 denarii. A denarii was a day's wage. So you're talking about 300 days wages. That's almost an entire year's salary. So imagine what kind of expression of worship this was for in just a few moments for Mary to expend an entire year's worth of wages to show honor to Jesus, to worship him, to show how much she loved him. You know, this kind of affectionate worship is something that ought to fill the heart of every believer. Certainly, we all have a different temperament. We all have a different personality. But if who Jesus really is and what it really means to us that Jesus is our Passover lamb, when that really sinks into our hearts, we ought to be led to worship. We ought to be moved with affection. We ought to be uh, almost become what we might call wasteful or reckless in how we express our love for Jesus. There should be no amount too high. There should be no length too great. There should be no request too important that out of our love for Jesus, we wouldn't be willing to give it and love it and show it to him. But that's what makes the contrast so apparent, both in Judas, who's worried about money because he's uh, greedy and selfish, but also because of the Jews, some of the Jews, who are willing to commit murder just because people have started to believe in Jesus. And so what we see, and what we have continued to see throughout the book of John, is that Jesus is a polarizing figure. Uh, God has made his son the watershed of history. When we come into contact with Jesus, we either run in one direction or the other. We're either off-put because his light exposes our darkness, or we are welcomed home because his light is what we need. His light is our salvation. Jesus, the light of the world, when he shines on us, it either sends us towards faith in him or towards hatred of him. And if we are moved to faith in him, then we are also moved to affectionate worship of him. This won't always look exactly the same in everyone's life. We won't always uh, express our love for Jesus in the same ways, but true love for Jesus will be just that. It will be true love. It will be genuine affection. It will be a demonstration of real, heartfelt awe and honor and respect and love for who Jesus is. I hope you guys enjoy your conversation.